This episode of Cheers Cast is dedicated to the memory of Christy Alley. Sam Malone. Yes. yes. You're the gentleman that used to own this bar. Well, I heard you were sailing around the world. Well, I was going to do that, but uh, something kept pulling me back here, and I just couldn't figure out what it was till now. Which reminds me of the other thing I heard about you. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, let me set the record straight here. There have been a lot of ridiculous, unbelievable rumors about my sexual prowess. I just want to tell you that most of them are right on the money. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me for the premiere of Season 6, a major milestone in the life of Cheers, please welcome back our friend AJ from the Right On Podcast Network. What's up, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Ryan, and everyone at the Fire and Water Podcast Network and anyone that's listening. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you very much. Very happy to have you, too. Uh, I hope everybody's holiday season was safe and uh, not as stressful as it could be, <laughs> depending on which airlines you were flying. But uh, yeah, and, and I hope you've enjoyed this little hiatus uh, as we as we retool from Cheers Season 5, now starting the sixth season. So we're pretty much at the halfway point of the show. Uh, AJ, you told me years ago, I think, that you wanted to be on this episode, and I will ask you for your reasons for that in a couple of minutes. But first, a little context for the audience as we begin the new season of Cheers that looks similar, but feels a little different than where we have been before. Longtime fans of both Cheers and this podcast will remember that when Cheers debuted in 1982, it ranked dead last in the ratings for the week. The fifth season finale, however, was the number one show on television at the time. In that episode, of course, we saw Sam and Diane call off their wedding so that Diane could spend the next six months writing a novel. Behind the scenes, Shelley Long had decided to leave the show to pursue greater opportunities in film. The showrunners were left with the unenviable task of replacing their lead character. Rather than create a carbon copy of Diane Chambers, Cheers pivoted in a different direction. People who listened to the very first episode of Cheers cast, when I covered the pilot episode with Rob Kelly, Omar Yudin, and Mike Gillis, you might recall that when we talked about the origins of the series, one of the ideas that the creators kicked around was the premise that a young businesswoman inherits or somehow stumbles into the job of managing this bar full of colorful patrons, but she's sort of the odd man out. The producers, Glenn and Les Charles and James Burroughs, kind of went back to that idea and created the character of Rebecca Howe, a junior-level executive at the Lillian Corporation, which purchased chairs from Sam Malone after he broke up with Diane. Whereas Sam had previously been the rational kind of moderating voice to Diane's often passionate anxiety, it was now Rebecca in the straight man role, while Sam is rewritten to be a little bit more of a goofball, sometimes kind of a doofus. The change in power dynamics with Sam also now dependent on Rebecca for his job and his livelihood, while also desperately trying to get her into bed, led some fans and critics of this show to consider this season a soft reboot of the series. And of course, we must talk about Rebecca. The Charles brothers, again, wanted someone very different from Shelley Long. They specifically wanted a brunette who could play kind of frosty and all business. 
So is it any wonder that they cast an actress who had previously played a Vulcan in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Kirstie Alley had appeared a dozen or so times in television series made for TV movies and the aforementioned Star Trek and the film Summer School when she was cast in Cheers. Staying with this show for the next six years, Rebecca Howe would be Alley's defining role, even as she starred in movies such as the Look Who's Talking franchise and took on other bold projects like Fat Actress in the years after Cheers. On December 5th, 2022, one month ago as we record this, Kirstie Alley died from colon cancer at the age of 71. The timing of her death and this podcast is purely coincidental, but I also think it gives us an extra incentive to truly celebrate this comedic force that was Rebecca Howe as we go forward. We have spent five years now with Diane Chambers, and I don't know anybody who doesn't think that Diane was a better character and Shelley the superior actress. But up until this point, we haven't really had the chance to offer any defense of that, or we haven't been able to really scrutinize Rebecca the way we did with Diane. And I am looking forward to that chance in this new era. A lot of fans prefer the Sam and Diane years. You know how much I adore the show, but I have said from the outset that I think the funniest episodes and funniest seasons are still to come, and Rebecca is a big part of that. So that is the big changeup as we start season six. Now, AJ, I'm sorry to make you wait so long, uh, but like I said, you requested this episode a while ago. Tell us why. Why did you want to be on this episode? When I was a young kid, I was three months old. Someone crashed into our home. So from that point to maybe like I was in fifth grade, I shared a room with my brother. And then once I had my own room, I had what we would call control of the television. So I would have choices of what I want to watch. And before I started watching Cheers, like I used to watch a lot of TV. That was a big time like TV nut. And uh-huh. I would watch... The Emmys and Cheers, they would rack up awards. And this was before I started watching. So when I dove into Cheers, it was during the Rebecca years. And I like Chrissy Alley's performance, not only because she's from Wichita, Kansas, like my mom, but because she just seemed very modern. And she had that, I think it's in her eyes and her smirks, don't mess with me. And like, I grew up around, (laughs) don't mess with me, women. So until you started this podcast, I had not seen Cheers in the 2000s. So everything is going off memory. But I just remember, like and like you mentioned, I think since you started the show, I've begged you, can I come on when Rebecca starts? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it, it to me, I feel like from my memory, everything, all systems are go. Cliff is at, at his most Cliff. We have Frasier. He's at his most Frasier. So when Frazier comes on, I get to revisit and watch this. It's like, cool, I'm getting to see this character grow. grow. But now at this point, he is all systems go Frazier. And from what I remember, it's going to be more of an ensemble. But, you know, again, like I grew up watching nine to five, just all this stuff where it it just and I grew up around a bunch of don't mess with me women. Mm -hmm. And to me, I like how Christy Alley kind of comes off with the like Sam did. Other people fall for these parlor tricks that you're doing. I'm not falling for this. <laughs> and I, I dug that. Like, I, like, so just the way that Christy Alley came off, and especially this is 1987 and we're about to go into the 90s. To me, I, I kind of see like when, remember that in the 90s, they said like she's a 90s woman, a 90s woman. 
to me, I think Chrissy Alley, there's all kind of faces of what a 90s woman is. And I think she embodies it. She's one of the mm. many faces of a 90s woman. So mm. I'm actually pumped up. Yeah. And I I mean, even though I was young, I remember watching this episode when it first debuted and I was aware of the discussion amongst my brother or my parents or something like this idea of of recasting this main character. And while Shelley was beautiful and adorable and so quirky in her way, there was something about Kirstie Alley when she comes into this role in a very late 80s, early 90s way, this kind of smoldering sex appeal that you didn't get from Shelley Long, who was just a much more kind of like softer character. But Kirstie Alley with the dark hair and the dark eyes and the and the the makeup and the the kind of the 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 put together the business and that harder edge, I think evoked like a lot of kind of like the the high fashion, the the MTV look, the, the sex appeal of that age. And we, and we see that uh, with with Sam's first reaction when he sees her. So, yeah, let's let's get into this episode. We've talked about it. Season six, episode one. Home is the sailor. This episode is written by the creators Glenn Charles and Les Charles, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date Thursday, September twenty fourth, nineteen eighty seven. That was my birthday. So, oh, cool! Yeah, happy birthday to me. After months away with the Boston Bruins, Eddie LeBeck stops by Cheers to see Carla and is surprised to discover the recent changes. For instance, Woody and the staff now wear uniforms mandated by their new corporate owners. After Sam and Diane decided not to marry, Sam sold the bar, bought a boat, and went sailing around the world, while Diane, having failed to complete her novel, went to Hollywood to work in the entertainment industry. One thing remains constant, though, and that is Carla is pregnant again, this time with Eddie's child. After Eddie leaves to consider his future with Carla, Sam returns, barely noticed by any of the other patrons except for Frazier. Sam tells Woody, Carla, and Frazier that his boat sank and he has returned to Cheers not to take over, but simply to ask for a job from the new boss. Carla doesn't expect Sam to get far with the frosty manager, Rebecca Howe. Sam is initially taken aback by Rebecca's attractiveness, but soon realizes that his normal charms and pickup lines won't work on her. Carla organizes a minor mutiny amongst Sam's old regular patrons, including the returning Norman Cliff, in order to force the exit of Rebecca's preferred bartender, Wayne. Short one staff member, Rebecca reluctantly agrees to take Sam on while urging him to tread lightly and not take advantage of her generosity. Thus, the screaming Viking era of Cheers has begun. All righty. I mentioned the ratings at the top. You know, when the show debuted, it was, it debuted, it was at the very, very bottom. Uh, the season five finale was the number one show in the ratings. This, uh, this time, uh, for this premiere episode, it was number three in the ratings this week. Uh, and the, the must see lineup for Thursday on NBC had changed a little bit, uh, because the show Family Ties moved to a different day, which was the, the half hour block right before Cheers. And then Hill Street Blues, which was the crime drama, like afterwards, had moved to a different day too. So the must see lineup this time was the Cosby show, followed by a different world. Then Cheers, then Night Court, and then LA Law. So. That's one of my favorite lineups with a, like a different world to Cheers mm-hmm. to Night Court. Like yeah. that run, that's one of my favorite lineups in a, I was good. CTV I was good. history. 
Okay, so uh, with our teaser, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I, I have to commend the uh, the writers because they knew they had this challenge with we're replacing the lead. We're going to have to do something different with the show. And you kind of mentioned the more ensemble feel, and we will definitely see that as the seasons go. But from being a show that was primarily this love story between Sam and Diane set at this bar, even though there is this perpetual pursuit and love story, it's sort of one-sided between Sam and Rebecca for a couple of seasons, we really see this becomes more of a workplace comedy and a lot of other characters step up. But from the beginning, we, we get this idea that this is a, this is a different era because Frazier comes in and he's instantly pointing out the changes to the bar. He mentioned that Woody is wearing this uniform and Frazier calls it ridiculous and silly, but Woody, Woody says it commands more respect. And then, of course, being Woody, he says it also saves him the extra couple of hours he used to spend picking out a shirt. Ryan, I got to tell you this. <laughs> I haven't had a drink since June 12th or something like that, right? So I know like this scene really hit me because or or really this episode, because I know what it feels like to I frequent this place and things have changed. New people have moved in and it changed the feel of the the bar or the the club or whatever. Yeah. And it's changed so much. It I I have to leave now. And this like you and I and a lot of people that listen to this, like we read comic books. Oh, yeah. I, I usually like I don't love villains like I read it for the heroes. So I'm I'm not usually like, a, oh, I love to hate this one villain. Like, no, I just straight up don't like them. But a type of villainy that I love to hate, but I really just, oh, it makes me so down, is when the hero's headquarters gets infiltrated. Oh, sure. So when we come in and they're wearing the uniforms and the place looks different, it's like, whoa. So my whole thing is, you know, you say like soft reboot. Like, okay, I'll entertain a soft reboot. And let's say you have a good run, like a good story arc. That's cool. But I'm interested in what kind of story are you going to tell on that third arc, that fourth arc? Because then I could really start judging you. And I just find this very interesting with we know these characters. We took a major character away. What are the creators going to do now? What are you going to do with these rich characters? You're going to fold it in? No, we're about to go six more seasons. I'm all about it. Yeah, and and Frazier, he's he's quick to point out, you know, he's like Sam doesn't own the he's like he Frazier's giving us all this information, but he's like Sam doesn't own the bar anymore. He's circumnavigating the globe. We'll find out what that means. He's like Diane isn't at the bar reading a book. He's like Norman Cliff aren't there anymore. Like where where are these guys? We're like right now. It's like okay, we recognize two of these characters, but he's definitely suggesting that everybody else that we've become familiar with might be gone, possibly for the long term. And that's the thing, like. Frazier would absolutely still get on well in this bar. The new version of Cheers yes. is a lot more like the kind of bar that Frazier and Lilith would probably frequent. But he he has this line, he goes, oh, death and life, the days that are no more. And then he finds himself quoting, he's like, who, who he's actually quoting Alfred Tennyson, but he doesn't remember that. So he said, who said that? And the exchange between Woody, he's like, who said what? He's like, oh, death and life, the days that are no more. He's like, you said it. He's like, no, who said it first? He's like, you're the only one who said it. They had that classic, the type of banter that we get from them. As somebody else pointed out last scene, like, Frazier and Woody, you could almost do an entire show just about them. That That's something that I've never thought of, but, like, I need to spend more time, especially the teasers. When we get an episode like this that starts off with a Frazier and Woody joke. Because I bet pound for pound they might be funnier than any others. What I loved about the double act of those two 
watching the episodes prior to this one, when they would do that, Frazier would get frustrated. And what I liked here is at the very end, it was kind of poignant because Frazier, it, it made him think about like, oh yeah, simpler time when the other people were in the bar. Like now I don't look at you with frustration. I look at you like, this is something from the past that, you know, we <laughs> something's never something. changed. He says, yeah, yeah, something's yeah. never changed. Um, and then we get our opening titles. We get the new title cards with Ted Danson as his own card. Um, Kirstie Alley gets second billing. Um, and then as the show opens up, Norm comes in and says, good afternoon, everybody is expecting. And Woody is the only one who shouts Norm because nobody else recognizes him. And he's, Norm is just frustrated. He's like, forget it. These people are stiffs. They don't get me. He's like, I'm leaving. And, and Woody can't, can't convince them to stay. Uh, so Norm walks out. And then, surprise, our like first guest art returning character from last season, Eddie LeBeck shows up and he's like, I passed Norm Peterson on the stairs. He didn't give me the time of day. And what he's like, oh, it's you know, 3.15. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie says he, he's, he was called to talk by Carla to come over and talk to her, but he's been on the road for so long. He hasn't been there in months. So this is another excuse because Eddie has been gone. So another vehicle for the audience to be filled in. Um, and Woody explains that Sam sold the bar and now he's sailing around the world. And he says, hey, Miss Chambers went off to write her novel, only that didn't work out. And the last we heard, she's in Hollywood trying to write for TV. And got a meta laugh. Yeah, the, the, the fact, and I mean, like, this was something that I, I love that they, the creators were actually you know, self-aware enough to frequently make fun of themselves. And you know this because you have a Seinfeld podcast, but how many jokes during the, the whole season when Jerry and George were working on their pilot, how many times did they make a joke about writing for TV and everything like that? Like Norm was, or sorry, George was trying to use that as a pickup line and the woman shot him down. Yes, because this was a different time. Now yeah. we are in a third wave prestige television golden age. Where you don't sneeze at television, Brad Pitt, quote unquote, A-list actors will be in a television series. But back then, yeah, if you're a writer for TV, you were, quote unquote, slumming it. Right. And the whole idea was that Shelley Long felt like it was beneath her to be on television. She felt like she deserved a bigger career. That's why she went on to film. Like she was like, the show was holding her back. So now to kind of cast this joke on her that she couldn't even work as an, uh, as a, as a novelist, she had to go back to Hollywood to write TV, which is like the lowest form of art and, and, and literature and everything like that. I like that they're making fun of themselves, but really kind of also taking a dig at Shelley. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then Eddie, Eddie finds out why Carla wanted to talk to him when she shows, she comes down the stairs and she's in the green uniform too. And she reveals her very full baby bump. And she's like, Oh, Eddie. And he's, he sees it. And he's like, yeah, what do you want to talk to me about? This was a different time, Ryan. This was so subtle. You almost like, wait a minute. Did that just happen? When Eddie left, I, I'm going to think about it. Think about what? So she's saying like, Hey, I'm with child. This is your child. And it, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Like, yeah. if you're going to help her raise it or not. Yeah, exactly. So, for those of you keeping score at home, she already has six children at home that she's supporting on her own. Here's number seven. Yeah, but- this was during that time where we're almost out of it. This is during that time where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to move on to the other side of town and not raise that family. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is that what just happened there? Where. 
or are you saying like Eddie was like, well, maybe I don't believe I'm the father, but that was just interesting. He said, I'll think about it. No, 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 no. Like she's like seven months in, buddy. And, and Frazier is like talking to her afterwards. He's like, well, you know, he might do the same thing that me or any other normal red-blooded man would do. It's like, on the other hand, maybe you'll hear from him again. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the other side of town. <laughs> and then whilst they're freaking out about this, this is when Sam kind of sneaks back and he's he's looking around, the noticing the changes and everything, kind of like catches up with the guys and they're like, hey, they like surprised. Like he actually gets a shout out of Frazier when Frazier recognizes him. Um, and, and again, Sam is pointing out, he's like, I can't believe the number of changes around here. Thank God you're still pregnant. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Something like, just stay the same. Like, it's like never it's mind like the, her condition or what this actually pretends for Carla. But oh, at least Sam can rely on that because that's something he's used to. Again, again, when he's talking about getting a job, they're like, "Well, they already have this other bartender, Wayne." Again, this, this the illogic of this that a bar this size only has two regular bartenders. Of course, I think they left some comedic gold on the table. They should have kept him around just as a foil. I, I kind of like the guy. Oh, yeah. Could have been. Because they could have just been teasing him and making yeah. fun of him. Like, oh, you know every drink. Oh, okay, great. Now we get to the point where we've we've established all of these differences. We've, we've kind of set up. We've, we've, we've let the audience know that, yes, we're in a different place. And everybody is aware of it. Like, they, the audience is on the same wavelength as Frazier and Sam and everybody. They're like, there are these changes. We don't really like them. We wish things would go back to normal. Um, and now we have to meet the new leading lady, who is this woman who has replaced Diane. And Carla sets it up that she's cold, she's mean, she's heartless, she's not going to, you know, listen to Sam. And and this, all Sam has to find out is that it's a woman. And he's like, oh, I can control any woman. I can get her to do whatever, whatever I want her to do. And he's, you know, not expecting. But then when he opens the door and we see Kirstie Alley walk in, it's kind of this brilliant thing by the creators because they don't even give her a line for her introduction. It's all about Sam's response. And he looks at her and he can't even form a word. He just, because he's so blown over by her looks. And I think, again, this is like this is smart on the writer's part because if Sam is impressed by her, if Sam is taken aback by her, if Sam is surprised by her that she's not what he's expecting, that makes it okay for the audience to feel that way because the audience is going to be probably judgmental and maybe as we've seen in some fandoms, harshly and unfairly judgmental. Um, so we got to give her as much breathing room as we can. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a big Dr. Who fan and that show is deep in reboots, restarting and like, well, I like <laughs> they're, this they're kind of familiar with the concept of recasting. Aren't yeah. They? <laughs> and you always have to do these things to like, no, no, it's okay. You can, it, it's, it's all right. If, if it's new, it, it's okay. We'll guide you through this. It, it's all right. See, you like this character. They like him. So maybe you might like him too. And that, yeah, that's what's going on here. I do remember watching this for the first time where it, I, I remember having this feeling like in fifth or sixth grade of kind of like, okay, I'm Odysseus. I'm leaving the Trojan War. I'm coming home and everything has changed. I'm trying to get my wife back and convince her it's me. And just with this, with Sam, like, I need to get this bar back. I need to be back at this bar. And this, I, I just, I like this concept of I went away and I came back and I'm trying to win things over again. So I, I re- it feels like a journey for the character. 
There will be some touchy subjects that have not aged well in terms of sexism. We'll, we'll call attention to those when we see them. Um, but in terms of something that didn't age well, I don't know if you caught this. There's a moment when early on, Rebecca tells Carla to go wait on this table. She's like, those people look like they're almost in danger of having a good time. You better stop it. Carla walks off doing this goose-stepping Nazi walk. Yeah. Like, oh. And I remember as a kid, I knew what that meant. I, just, yeah. I guess you just say she's a stringent boss remember when uh the only time I, I remember the only time i would hear the word fascism was in science fiction yeah and i remember i remember the first time i ever heard that word i was in seventh grade and i watched the movie the doors and they were with the producer and he would have them like do things over and over and val Kilmer as jim morrison called him a fascist i was like oh i, I think i know what that means but <laughs> but yeah this um yeah i remember carla doing that so <laughs> but you know okay we have the doyleist approach we have the wassonian approach so the doyleist i have sherlock from london maybe because i know things about london and then the wassonian approach the character inside like it's happening because of that so i understand like the the doyleist approach the reason why woody and carl are still there you know they're major players in the show they need to be there but why do you think Christy Alley, uh, Rebecca Howe, why do you think she kept them around? Woody, Woody, I think, is a good bartender. She mentions that, like, you know, Wayne is is the better one, but in terms of just, like, needing somebody to work there. Um, I, I suspect it's probably because she's only been in charge for a short time. Like, if this has only been a couple of months, less than a year later, like... She's a junior executive. She's just kind of like taking on these reins. Maybe she doesn't want to have too much employee turnover, but she definitely knows Carla's reputation. And I suspect that she, like, if not for Sam kind of changing the center of gravity in the bar going forward, I suspect if he never came back, Rebecca would have fired Carla eventually. Yeah. Think about it when Carla did the goose step and whatever. Yeah, it was behind Rebecca's back, not to her. Like Carla, if she didn't like something Sam said, she would tell him. Maybe even yank his chest hair. But <laughs> yeah. she doesn't mess with Rebecca Howe. That, that, yeah, look, I gotta rewatch the show because I'm telling you, Re- I just like Rebecca. Because hey, even Carla won't mess with her. Yeah, she comes in. She, yeah. She's a, a, a again. I don't mess with me, lady. Yep. And she's she's quick to point out to to Sam, like when he he starts kind of flirting with her, she's like, Oh, she's like, I do, I've heard of you, and that reminds me of the other thing that I've heard about you. And he he's like, Yeah, there have been a lot of unbelievable rumors about my sexual prowess. And I just want to let you know that most of them are right on the money. You think so, you think that crane crap is gonna work? Remember Karate uh, Part Two? I re- I remember Karate Part Two, that was in the commercial. Like, you think that crane crap that worked in part <laughs> one, you think that's gonna work here? And that's what I like about Rebecca Howe, where she's like, So that worked on somebody? Like what you're doing here? Because yeah. I like Rebecca Howe, where she's kind of like, Look, dude, I was at CBGB's with the Ramones in 79. <laughs> it, I'm over that now. I'm past, I don't have to do that stuff anymore. This is corporate. We're 80s. This yeah. is 1987. I, I I'm done with that. You're still doing this, dude? But yeah. I do love Sam with that Red Sox jacket. It looks awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he awesome. wears that a lot. 
so yeah, she she's not impressed by his lines at all. She tells him that she's getting this little headache, but he follows her into her office, what used to be his office, and and all the changes again come flooding to him. And he's like, "Where's Dave? His his stuffed moose head." And she she has a good line. She's like, "I set him free. If he really loves you, he'll come back." Um, <laughs> she has this great line because he he he's trying to get his job, and she's like, "No, we're all staffed up, but you're welcome to come here whenever you want as a patron. I promise you'll be treated very courteously." Unless you're waited on by Miss Tortelli, <laughs> I, mm. I love I love that idea that she knows Carla and that reputation she has, but she doesn't know them well enough to to realize that Sam would also know that reputation. Like, yeah, like of course Sam would know what he's ta- what she's talking about. Um, and then you kind of you alluded to it, but that's, this is where Sam has this great monologue, and I think he's he's summing up really the the new thesis of this show of, of this particular episode because he says he he left because the show the the bar had so many bad memories but also had great memories it had everything that he cared about it was his home and he said he was afraid that when he came back all he would see was her face meaning Diane's but instead all of he saw were these silly changes that Rebecca made and he's like oh, but that's that's good those changes helped him get over it and kind of realize that things had changed and and it's time to move on. And again, like I think Sam is voicing the premise of this show and like kind of telling the audience, like, because yeah, if I mean, after five years of watching, if you've been a devoted follower for this long, you're uh, how, how can you not compare this show to Diane? How can you not compare Rebecca specifically to Diane? And the only way to avoid those comparisons and to accept what's going on is just to realize that, okay, this is not going to be the same show. It's not going to look the same. We're, we're, we're aesthetically, we're redressing certain things. And there's a change in the, the power dynamics and the sexual dynamics here. And you're just going to have to accept it and come aboard with us. Um, and I just think it's, it's smart for the show to, to lay that out clearly for the audience too. And we're going to reconfigure your brain where you thought this. So is this a show about, a man that's in love with this woman over time, we're going to shift that and it's going to be about, and then you're going to realize it was always about a man that's in love with this bar. Right. That'll, yeah, that'll be the the sort of the, the discovery of the, of the next couple of seasons is mm. it's really, it's Sam and cheers. But yeah. So she agrees to hire him and she makes it clear when he asks her point blank. Yeah. She makes it clear. She's hiring him out of pity. Um, and then, uh, he goes outside and, and Carla lets him know that she has already started to launch this scheme to get Wayne out of there. Uh, but in the meantime, Rebecca gets a call from Evan Drake, the vice president of the company, and we see her get flustered for the first time. Like the kind of like she, she drops her guard. She kind of thinks that she locks herself out and she's, she's just very kind of discombobulated for a couple of seconds. Um, and that's when like they realize that okay, yeah, she's got this crush on her boss of the company, but the guy doesn't know he she exists. So Sam eavesdropping on the conversation can use this to ad- his advantage. Um, and then the whole thing culminates with what Carla calls Operation Wayne down the Dwayne. <laughs> and the whole thing is that he's not such a good bartender. They have to prove this to Rebecca that he's not such a good bartender because you know he doesn't know how to make every drink. Q, the door opens and it's Norm. And because of the new status quo, he doesn't get the shout out like he's used to. Nobody recognizes him except for one guy who kind of comes to it late. He's like, Norm. And Norm's like, not now, you idiot. But 
Norm walks up pretending like it's his first time there and he orders a screaming Viking. And Wayne is like, ah, that's not a real drink. I've never heard of that one before. And they have to play it off like, oh, of, of course it is. I, of course, I, many of nights I wish it wasn't a real drink and everything like that. And, and Wayne is completely, he's like, no, I think you mean this other drink. And he's like, no, no, no. And they're all this is performed in front of Rebecca. And Woody comes in with a cucumber. He's like, do you want the cucumbers bruised? He's like, slightly. And he like pounds it on the bar. And from here, we just see, oh, yeah, Steve, I spotted him a couple of minutes ago. He was at the top of the bar. He comes in. He's asking for a Screaming Viking. Oh, Alan, one of the other guys I remember from last season, he comes in. He's asking for a Screaming Viking. And the comedic rule of threes, the third person to ask for a Screaming Viking, we get that familiar voice of Cliff Clavin coming from the pool room. And it's, it's probably, it's one of Cliff's better moments. One of those, yes. just like, he might, he might get the greatest applause Cliff ever gets in the show for, for something he does just for the timing of when he walks in, because now it's like everybody, the rest of the family, everybody I've been waiting to see, all of Sam's regulars, the familiar faces, those people that we missed. And Cliff is just like the punctuation, the, the punctuation mark for that. He's like, yep. If Cliff is back, it's cheers. Um, you know how much of a risk that is where. You don't have the major players in it until way later, but then the the payoff is so good. Of course, of course. I mean, Norman Cliff like Nor like Cliff has like two lines in the whole show, and like Nor they they barely do anything. But it's just is the setup. It just you're right. It's a risk, but the payoff is just so well so well earned. Um, because then they all they all have to take this drink and watch it watch it, and as Rebecca stares at them to see that they don't spit it out, and they have to hold it in their mouths uh, long enough. And here we we get one of those rare uh, it's a POV shot from Rebecca from her office door that shows the fourth wall behind Norm and the guys. It's like what what would be the spot where we're looking at the fourth wall of the bar? Ah, yes. We see we see they dressed it behind Norm for that one shot. There's some a few tables and there's a, a dartboard over there, but yeah. And then once Rebecca is out, they all spit out the drink. And I'm like, that is disgusting. What was that? Rebecca tries to be rid of Sam. She tries to uh, pay him off. And he, yeah, Sam has this line about how a guy boss would give him the second chance. And then she, you talking about like the, the all business and the tough girl and take no nonsense. Like, I think. At this point, she she needs to reassert herself, I think, for the character and for the actress. And she does a, just a, a great job here because she turns it on him and she's talking – she's using his lingo. She's like, in baseball ease, you showed me up. And then she's like, this is your last chance. It's the bottom of the ninth. You have two outs, two strikes, and no balls. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. I, I love that there was a part before this where Rebecca said this, and this is something that Diane wouldn't have said. And I loved how Christy Alley delivered this line. She said, I'm tired of you already. And it was like, yeah. for real. And, and and when you watch this, you really got to think this character has dealt with people like this for a while, like just batting them off, deflecting them, you know, doing what she has to do. But she's also thinking after this, I won't see this person again. If I, if I just right. let them know, like, get out of here. No, you're not going to work here. Uh, whatever you're doing, your charms, that's not going to work. She's not thinking, no, 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 no. You're going to see this person again. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> you're going to, like, this iceberg eventually is going to melt, but she can't see it yet. And this is kind of fun to watch. Of course. I mean, from her, like, this the the way you always kind of have to think. She doesn't realize she's coming into this show in the middle of the of the career. 
she's the protagonist of her own show and he's just wandering in this one episode but yeah she she has to come to realize that uh no she's she's not big of the game or as i i often point it like she has to be sucked in by the gravity well that is cheers where yes. eventually everybody who stays there long enough gets pulled down to the bar's level so. we got diane we got <laughs> frazier we can get you too and your dog those. yeah yeah we got, yeah yeah <laughs> You can, yeah, the gravity of this is just too much. Yeah, yeah, a few, a few people managed to escape, but just barely. But, <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then like with with that little rejoinder, Sam just leaves. He's like, "Hey, can before I leave, I say I haven't seen you smile all day. Can you just give me like a smile?" And this is one of those again things like there's asking a woman to smile for yeah. your benefit to make you feel better. <laughs> this doesn't play very well in 2020. Now 2023. But in this case, maybe Sam can be forgiven because it's actually the setup for a for a joke at her expense. He's like, I bet you light up a room when you when you smile. And she does, she smiles for him, and he's like, gee, I was wrong. Which is a ballsy thing to do when she just explained that you you are here basically on my charity alone is the only reason you're getting this job. To then basically just say, "Oh, you're not so pretty when you smile." <laughs> like that is like that. That could have been. She could have been like, "You're fired," and he could have been walking out, maybe feeling like his head was held high. But that was a that was a risky thing to say to end the show. You think the the writers thought like, okay, because I thought when that happened, I went, "Oh, okay, so now they're fifty fifty. Because I kind of thought she had the upper hand, and maybe they thought like, "Man, we got to end this." Because remember, we we need the 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 audience to to like Christy Alley, even even though I, 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 think, I, think she's right. I think that's partially true. Yes. I think you're right. Sam said medical, dental, horizontal. <laughs> horizontal. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and again, re- the, the, the Rebecca character is like, I'm going to let you do these things because I'm thinking I'm not going to see you again. So go ahead, get them out, say them all, say them all. But she's not realizing, no, dude, this is going <laughs> to. Yeah, so we've got this a uh, fascinating new start to this season. Um for and for some folks who aren't going who who really love the Diane years, they, there might be a little bit of a rocky change because I do think like with any with any change, as much as I do like this recentering of the world, there are a few kind of nuts and bolts and, and it takes a little while for to to really kind of warm up entirely to Rebecca and to really get on her level. Um, and she's also a character that will change a lot. Um, I think Rebecca seasons six, seven, eight is one character, and then nine, ten, eleven is very much a different damaged character in some ways. Mm. Um, who is very, very funny, but also hard to take it sometimes. Um, you know but- what's wild about this is. Yeah. We're kind of like, okay, because we're so used to seeing Christy Alley large and in charge. It was, it was kind of weird seeing her kind of new, right? Just in this, because yeah. we're used to seeing like Veronica's closet and then like, like Christy Alley is like a big character, right? Like she's, you know, she's so to yeah. see her being like, I'm kind of new and oh, I hope I can win you over. We're like, no, dude, this lady takes up a well, room. Yeah. I mean, also for me, I mean, showing my age here, but like this was my introduction to the actress. I didn't see Star Trek The Wrath of Khan until like 15 years ago. But like it was like way after Cheers when I saw her play Sadik in, in that movie. And I was like, oh, she's like this young, 
like rookie Vulcan just trying to learn the, the ways of the ship and everything like that. And it was completely different. Like kind of took me out. I was like, wow, I've never, I, I don't recall seeing her in that type of character, but yeah. What was one of the, you named one of the movies that she was in before she uh, appeared in Cheers? And I was like, wait a minute, I saw that. So did I, uh, when I saw Chris Allen in Cheers, did I already know her? No, yeah, because I remember summer I loved Summer School. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think, I bet when I saw her, I went, oh, that's that lady from Summer School because yeah. I loved her in that too. It, it's something with her eyes. She just makes you transfix. Right. And I mean, yeah. like, I, I remember, um, look who's talking. You know, when that movie came out, that was huge. And I mean, you think about it, who else was in that movie? John Travolta, but John, like, that was before Pulp Fiction. John Travolta wasn't oh, yeah. a name who was like, he wasn't somebody that you went to see the movies for at that time. Bruce Willis was just the voiceover of the kid. And that was kind of the gimmick, but that was pretty much a Kirstie Alley vehicle, that movie. Yeah, Christy Alley, she did a really good Saturday Night Live and uh, like in interviews, like I remember like when she would go on Arsenio Hall, she she's just a character. She's she's a big personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a ton of fun. Um later in her life, she got she she did some controversial things in terms of politics and she was deeply involved in Scientology and that religion. Um for the purposes of this podcast, I don't want to dwell on those things mm-hmm. just to acknowledge because Honestly, like half the cast of Cheers has ghosts and skeletons that aren't even in the closet. Like they're falling out of the closet, like, like just like invading the room. Like Woody Harrelson, Kelsey Grammer, they've, <laughs> I, I don't want to get into their personal yeah. stuff. Yeah. There's, there's just like too much. And I don't want to hold the, the, that stuff against the show or, or anyway. So I, I don't want to, especially right now, having just lost yeah. her, like I said, a month ago. Um, you know, I, I want this to be a time where we celebrate Kirstie Alley, who I do think often gets overlooked because of how great Shelley Long was, but this was just, a, an immensely funny and talented actress. And uh, you guys, I'm serious. I'm really looking forward to where the show goes from here. Um, especially like not this season has some ups and downs, but like, there's some just immeasurably funny episodes coming up in some of the later seasons that are all about Rebecca. And, and I can't wait for us to talk about those in the future. Yeah. AJ, uh, before we get into like the other extra categories, any other thoughts about this one? I, I just want to quote something that Juliet Lewis said about Christy Alley. She said, Christy Alley, so heartbreaking to hear about the sudden loss of Christy Alley. She was so filled to the brim with life and joy and childlike wonder. She was generous and festive and an amazing mom. And not by happenstance raised one of the all time greatest. One of my favorite girls ever. My heart goes out to her family and friends. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. For Norm's tab. Guess how many beers he had this episode? Zero. Zero. It was just a mixed drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a mixed drink, which I'm not counting. And the fact that it wasn't a real drink and he spit it out, I'm not counting exactly. that. So Norm's tab does not actually change between last episode and this one. He is still at 484 for the series. I knew he could do it. Yeah. Um, the employee of the week, who did you have? Who was your employee of the week for this one? Rebecca Howe. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, liked and, her. I, I, I think she was a, a force. I, th- I think she's stunning. I for okay think about how intimidating this is this show is i mean like an institution like you said the the ratings all this stuff you got d ted dancing and, and then i'm about to replace a iconic television figure i'm going in to lose like mm-hmm. i'm going in and people are going to already hate me and for mm-hmm. her to just i thought she kind of owned the set yeah yeah 
Yeah. I I completely agree. And that, my thinking was initially, I was like, okay, well, Sam Sam largely dominates this episode. It's like his return. He's the he's our anchor very much. He's the one we want to root mm. for. So I was thinking Sam at first, but then I realized who had the hardest job in the show? It's Kirstie Alley. Like yep. to come on the set, like and on the series with all of the expectations that you said and all of these changes, knowing that the audience might not give her the benefit of the doubt. The audience might be against her. Half the cast is supposed, or half the characters are supposed to not like her and everything like that. And, and she's got to pl- kind of play this character that is redeeming, but kind of caustic and antagonistic to Sam. Like that's the biggest thing is we love Sam. And this yes. is a character who will be at odds with him largely throughout the rest of this year. How do you make that character likable and not a villain? And she threads the needle. She makes it clear. And like that, that the monologue she gives him at the end about him having two outs, two strikes and no balls. Um, I, I really think like she is at home in the office. And I, I think like when she's out in the bar, that's one thing. Like that's where Sam kind of commands. But the office scenes are her home turf because she made that so much hers. And I think she out. I think she like she's she dominates those scenes even with Ted Danson. She's just so good in those office scenes. So yeah, I, I it was I I understand. I, I was thinking Sam, but I was like, no, Rebecca earned this one for being her first her rookie outing. Yeah, she earned the the home run of the week. So. Um, which leads me for the home run for the best gag. But my favorite part of the episode, I will say, it's not it wasn't a, a gag, but it's it's Sam's monologue when he's talking about the expectations and why he didn't want to come back and what he was afraid of seeing, like that everything would remind him of Diane. But then the, the change, I love that for what it does for the audience and like kind of allowing us to accept the changes. But I think my favorite joke in the episode is when. Rebecca is telling Sam, she's like, I, I can't hire you, but you're welcome to come back as a patron. You'll be treated with every courtesy, unless you're waited on by Miss Tortelli. <laughs> <laughs> My home run is, a lot of people may not know this, but I'm quite famous. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I love that, too. That was a good one. I wonder All what right. she'll make me for breakfast. Although, yeah. That was, oh, Sam. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to have to put up with a lot of that. Yeah. All right, AJ. Thank you very much for coming back on Cheers Cast and talking about this very important episode with me. Why don't you tell our listeners where else they can find you in the podcastosphere? Look, you can find me at thehuntresspodcast.com because uh, my favorite character in comic books is Helena Bertinelli. She's my 1A. Superman is my 1B. And uh, if you want to ask me any questions or make any comments or suggestions, you can reach me at feathersandfoes at gmail.com. I'm also uh, on Twitter at Huntress Podcast. All right. Thank you very much once again. And listeners, thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time... We're closed. I sold this bar because it had a lot of uh, bad memories for me. But once I got away from it, yeah, I realized it had a lot of good memories, too. Mr. Malone, no, wait, I come, really come, wish Please, would... please, listen. I'm not enjoying this either. There was uh, one memory in particular that I've been trying to shake. <clears throat> See, I was... Uh, 
I was afraid that I was going to walk in here today and uh, see her face everywhere I looked, but instead what I saw was all these silly changes you made here. I happen to think... No, no, I mean, it was good. It, it helped me. Look, what, what I'm trying to say is this, uh, this, this place is the closest thing I have to a real home. I want to come back. Please. 